What's up, everybody? This is Mario, and welcome back to another episode of Talking Endurance and Mastery. And today, what I want to do is I want to share five lessons that I learned from completing the 12-hour walk. Now, if you haven't listened to the previous episode about my 12-hour walk experience, it might be helpful to go back and listen to that one first, just so that you understand a little bit about it, what my experience was, and what I'm going to do today is share the lessons that I learned from walking for 12 hours by myself completely unplugged. So first, I'm going to roll the trailer, and then we're going to get into it. Do you want to complete an endurance event and elevate all areas of your life, but you don't know where to start? then you're in the right place. Talking Endurance and Mastery is a podcast to help you create a vision and take steps towards your goals and dreams. I'm your coach, Mario Minner. I've completed events like Ironmans and Ultramarathons, but I believe the true benefit from endurance events is how they help you become the best version of yourself. Join me as I share stories, lessons, and interview guests to help you apply endurance and mastery principles into every area of your life. Are you ready? Let's go. All right, everybody, welcome back. So like I mentioned in the intro, I recently did a 12-hour walk. And the 12-hour walk is based off of the 12-hour walk book by Colin O'Brady, where there is this physical and mental challenge where you set out on a 12-hour walk by yourself and you go through a process where you start to think about what is your Everest? What is your big goal? What are the limiting beliefs that are holding you back? And then you just go and you walk for 12 hours by yourself and start to reflect on those limiting beliefs with the hope that you would start to overcome those limiting beliefs and overcome any any limiting beliefs that pop up during the 12-hour challenge. And I honestly had an amazing experience to the point where it far exceeded my expectations. And I've already been telling lots of friends and family about this experience, about this challenge, because I really believe in it. And I think it's something that is accessible to everyone. And when you first hear about a 12-hour walk, you might think like, oh, there's no way I could do that. But you can take as many breaks as you want. And I think that it's something that it's free, it's accessible, and it's something that's going to help you become a better version of yourself, both physically and mentally. And so if you want to hear more about my experience, go back to one of the previous episodes where I talk about it. Um, But if you can imagine spending 12 hours by yourself kind of alone with your thoughts and asking yourself these bigger, deeper questions, you're going to learn a few things. And what I want to share are just five different things that I learned from doing the 12-hour walk. And the first one is just how I am constantly distracted in my everyday life. You know, between notifications on my phone, between social media, between podcasts, audiobooks, Um, my daughters, um, you know, just different people in our environment, the sounds in our environment, uh, my dog, there's just so many different things that are just constantly like popping up in our lives, in our minds, in our thoughts that it isn't until you step out of it. And I didn't really realize this until I was about two hours into my 12 hour walk that I was like, oh my gosh, I can actually think about whatever I want. And 
a lot of times I realize that my thoughts are controlled by the things that are in my environment. They're controlled by those notifications, by the things that I put in my ears with music or audiobooks, or from different notifications that pop up from work or social media. And so it was really eye-opening for me to experience this 12-hour walk where you're completely unplugged. You know, my phone was on airplane mode and I was just walking and I barely even, I, I only saw like two or three people uh, throughout the day. And it was just a huge, a big kind of takeaway for me in that how powerful it is to remove those distractions. And it it was kind of the case where a couple of hours into the walk, I realized I could ask myself any question that I wanted and I could focus on it. Whereas a lot of times we get a notification or we see something on our phone or we hear something and that's what our thoughts are controlled by. And so it's not just that I could control my thoughts. It was also that without those distractions, I was able to spend a lot more time and go a lot more deeper in those thoughts. So that was really the first eye-opening lesson for me was just the, the power of removing yourself from those distractions. Now, the second thing that I learned from doing the 12-hour walk was just how I am constantly, my, my mind is constantly addicted to wanting to do things. When I was walking, I was in a state park and I was just walking by myself. And even you know, when I would be walking, my mind would be saying things like, oh, like, let's just listen to a podcast. Let's listen to an audiobook. Let's listen to something. Let's try and do something. Let's try and be productive. Uh, I was sitting down having a picnic a few hours into the walk and the same thoughts kept coming up. Let's, let's listen to a podcast. Let's listen to an audiobook. Let's like do something. Let's make it productive. And I started to think about like, well, where like, why do I constantly feel like I need to be doing something? And when I sat with that thought and I started asking myself, where does that come from? I started to realize that I have learned that if I'm doing things, then I'm going to achieve things. And if I achieve things, then I'm going to be successful. And if I'm successful, then I will receive like love and praise from other people. And I started to realize that I had this thought that I need to be constantly doing things in order to receive like recognition and love from other people. And as I really said that out loud and started to think about that, I realized, well, there have been times where I don't even need to do anything and I still feel loved. For example, like just the other day, I took my daughter to Dairy Queen on a Friday night and we just sat, we had our ice cream and it was just an experience where she's two, uh, two and a half actually. And she was just sitting there eating her ice cream. I was sitting next to her eating mine. We weren't even really talking. We were just sitting in each other's presence and it was the best thing ever. And so I, I realized that my mind has this thought that I have to constantly be doing things in order to be successful and in order to receive love, which I know is completely false because I've had moments where I haven't been doing anything and I'm just sitting and I'm feeling loved. And so that was just another big, powerful takeaway in that I just don't need to be doing things. I can just sit and I can just be and I can just experience the present moment. So that was a big, powerful takeaway for me as well. Now, this third thing that came up for me was related to some of my limiting beliefs that when it comes to my Everest. And it's just this thought that 
when it comes to my Everest, I'm playing small. And even I've told the story with this podcast that uh, about a year and a half ago or two years ago, I decided to really go for it on on this podcast and start a podcast. And I was going to do a, a podcast every single day for a year to just see if I could do that challenge and find my voice and discover what do I like talking about. And I ended up doing that. But it wasn't until six or seven months into that challenge that I actually started telling people that I had the podcast. And that was just an example of me kind of playing small. But even in my current context, I find myself playing small. And when I started to think about like, well, why am I playing small? Um, a couple of things started coming up for me. And I realized that when you play small, you, you still take actions, but you take the easy actions. You take the, the safe actions. And when, when I do that, I do that because I, I, I sometimes fear, like, how will people perceive what I'm doing? And when I th think about it from that perspective, I realized like, well, whose opinions do I really value? And when I started to come up with a list of like, whose opinions really, truly matter to me, I came up with a very short list of God and my wife, Emily. And like, those are the two opinions that I very like strongly value. And other people's opinions are theirs and it's and and it's everybody is entitled to their own opinion but i can't control how other people think about the work that i'm doing or what i'm doing and so that was you know kind of eye opening for me to think that okay if there's only those two people that that their opinions are highly you know important to me and i know that those two people will love me no matter what i do then what am i afraid of why am i holding back and that was something that I was able to work through and really think about in those 12 hours. And it, it also started to reveal for me, like, what, why else might I be playing small? And I realized that part of it is having my, just myself or my ego wanting to always appear like I'm right or that I have all of the answers. And by playing small, a lot of times you just make small decisions or you make decisions that you know are safe. And when you make decisions that you know are safe, then you typically have a higher chance of being successful. But when you make those smaller decisions and you play small, you don't make the big decisions. You don't make the big actions that you know that you need to take, which sometimes come with, you know, mistakes. Those come with errors. Those come with failure. And uh, that was another thing that I was able to work through. So that was a big thing. The fourth thing for me was all around patience. And when it, come, when it came to my Everest and my goal of like trying to really build this community, build a podcast, build a business around Endurify, one of the things that I wrote down as something that I felt like was holding me back was just like, I feel like I just don't believe in myself enough. And I started to analyze that and think about, well, where does self-belief come from? And how have I developed self-belief in other areas of my life? And I realized the way that I have developed self-belief in other areas of my life is I have read a lot about the topic. I've talked to people who are experts in the area. I've listened to audiobooks. I've listened to podcasts. But I've also applied it. And I've been almost like in the arena, if that's 
as a, a product manager at work, if that's as a triathlete in triathlons and going from not knowing how to do anything in triathlons to becoming a two-time, uh, to, to completing an Ironman twice, um, it's been from putting yourself out there, trying things and making mistakes, learning from it, growing and continuing to do that over a long period of time. And I, I know that self-belief or confidence comes from getting results and becoming more competent in a given area. And that just takes time. So even though I initially thought that what I needed was, or what I was lacking was self-belief, what I realized is that self-belief comes from taking action and getting results and learning and growing and failing over time. And when it comes to like my goal of just growing this Endurify business, I realized that I do actually believe in myself. All that I need is a little bit, I just need more time. And if, if I just keep taking the actions that I'm taking and I have that time and in that, if that's the, the way that it goes, then all I really need is patience. I just need to be patient when it comes to uh, my Everest, when it comes to this podcast, when it comes to uh, my business. Uh, that is a big thing for me that I'm thinking about, that I'm learning, that I'm trying to focus on, being more patient. And then the last one, number five, I would say it, it's just that you can probably tell from these previous four things, like these are big, powerful takeaways for me. And all of that came from spending that 12 hours unplugged and having that 12 hours of just solitude. And so if I've got those really powerful results from the 12 hours, the, the fifth takeaway for me is just that solitude needs to be part of a weekly habit for me. How can I make solitude more of a habit and more part of my routine. Because as I think about my previous weeks and months, there's almost never a time where I'm just completely sitting in silence and I'm not listening to anything. Even when I'm meditating, which is, I would say, is the closest thing that I come to for uh, solitude, I have something that I'm listening to. I'm listening to somebody like walking me through. It's a guided meditation. Um, when I'm praying, uh, th that is probably the closest thing, but, um, you know, it's just something that I realized that I need to try and incorporate solitude into my life a little bit more. And I've done it a little bit with my runs where I have pulled out my uh, podcast. I pulled out my audiobooks, I pulled out music to just try and, you know, be present and see whatever pops up on my runs. Um, and so that's something that I'm trying to do, but I'm starting to think about how can, solitude play more of a role on a weekly basis for me. And that is the fifth thing I learned from the 12 hour walk. So I share these five lessons just to kind of share my experience, but also to kind of help you start to get curious about what things might you learn if you were to take on this 12 hour walk challenge, because this is something that I really recommend to a lot of different people to just try it. And honestly, if, if 12 hours seems a little daunting, just start small and you can build up to it. Um, so that is kind of my message for today. Five lessons I learned from the 12 hour walk. Number one, I just feel like I'm constantly distracted. And it wasn't until I was removed from all of those distractions that I realized that 
Number two, my brain is just trying to convince me that I need to constantly be doing things in order to uh, receive love or attention from other people. That is completely false. Number three, when it comes to my Everest, I'm playing small because of how I think other people will perceive me, but that doesn't really matter. Number four, I just need to be patient when it comes to my Everest and when it comes to my goals. And then number five, solitude needs to be a weekly thing for me. So again, I share these five to help you start to think about what things might you learn. If you have any questions about the 12-hour walk, send me a DM on Instagram, send me a text, send me an email. Would love to help you get set up with your 12-hour walk. That's what I have for today. Until next time, I'll talk to you all later.